this is Jen Miskov and I thought I would do something I've never done before. I thought that I would record some stuff that's been on my heart lately uh, with in regards to revival and stewarding um, our lives to prepare and position ourselves for this next great move of God. And so I'm going to just share what I'm feeling God's doing in our day and age and basically how to position ourselves to step into all that he has. Um, and one of the things that's really on my heart is a need to create space for the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our churches, in our meetings, uh, in every single detail. I just feel like there's been so much uh, agenda and so much, not that structure is bad, but I feel like sometimes we over plan to the point that we plan God out of meetings that are meant to be all about him. And uh, I don't know how many of you have been in a service where you've seen the freedom of the Holy Spirit able to move and flow freely uh, versus those that are kind of uh, every single minute something is kind of crammed in there. And I'm not saying that's bad at all, but I, I do feel like there's this invitation that the Lord's saying, how about make some time and spaces of encounter, uh, spaces that don't really have an agenda, spaces that don't feel um, super structured spaces that have freedom for things to get a little messy sometimes and I feel like um, there's this invitation to create those uh, maybe in addition to what is already existing in our lives maybe to integrate into what's existing in our lives maybe eventually even to replace that um, how kind of this theme of creating space for the Holy Spirit kind of transformed my own ministry was when I uh, learned about the Welsh Revival and it was a, a revival in 1904 that marked the whole nation but it was a revival marked by prayer testimony and worship and people literally came from all around the world just to have an encounter with the Lord. They weren't coming to see a famous speaker, they weren't coming to see a famous worship band, they were coming because they were hungry for God. And so even as right now, as I'm sharing this, I'm sitting on a real live Welsh revival chair, which is kind of funny and ironic. Um, but in the midst of that, this man named Joseph Smalley, a Baptist minister from Los Angeles, went out to Wales because he saw and recognized God was doing something. He went on a sabbatical and he encountered the Holy Spirit in a fresh new way in his generation. So he came back to Los Angeles and immediately he changed his services to be modeled after what he experienced in the Welsh Revival. Um, he made space for God to move. He opened up uh, his services to give room to the Holy Spirit. And I feel like uh, sim similarly today, the Lord is saying, um, where are my people who will let me back into church? Where are my people that will let me back into their lives, into their schedules? And I say that myself as well because um, I'm saying this to, to myself, like how often do I go through my day with my own plans and agenda and forget to invite the Holy Spirit to come and take over, to apprehend me, to change my plans if need be? Um, how many times have I just been so um, responsible and haven't followed the small nudge of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm in the same position where I want to grow. Uh, and I want to I move with the Holy Spirit in a greater way and invite the Holy Spirit to possess me in a, in a greater way than ever before. I think one of the ways that we can prepare for this incoming move of God um, is to remain open to what God's doing and to remain hungry for what he's doing. And most uh, new moves of God, it's very messy. 
Um, God does things that we're not used to. It's very uncomfortable. In the healing movement, healing was a new thing. It was a, a radical opposition to the belief system of the day. And it, it was uncomfortable for people to actually embrace that God wanted to heal. And then, and that was the 1800s and the early 1900s, people started speaking in tongues. And that was like a completely new phenomenon. It existed, you know, since the book of Acts, but um, people in the early 1900s, this was not a normal part of Christianity. It was kind of rare. And so when there's this incredible out, outburst and outflowing and of this new experience, um, many people hesitated, many people criticized. And uh, unfortunately, many people, in essence, threw out the baby with the bathwater in regards to this, they didn't realize that, that the Lord was doing a new thing. And so I think we can learn from history. Um, the, the further we go back into history and seek the Lord, the more it prophesies and teaches us how to uh, steward and step into revival in the future. And so I don't I don't think that the Lord is going to do the same thing that he did at Azusa Street in our day and age. This is 100 years later. Um, because that's already been done. He's not going to do the same thing he did in the healing movement. That ground has already been taken. We have that momentum to now build upon. He's going to do a new thing. And I think the way that we approach uh, what God's doing in our generation is really important so that we don't miss it. And so I think remaining open and hungry to seek the Lord for all that he has in our day will be a really key and crucial um, posture for us. Another thing, the midst of favor and the midst of anointing, we still need to fight to keep our gaze on Jesus, the King of Kings, in the midst of the fruit, in the midst of the gifts, in the midst of the miracles even. Um, there is still this battle of focusing our attention, Hebrews 12, completely on Jesus, who, who set his attention on us for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross, despised the shame. And so there's something about in this season, throwing off everything that hinders, even um, good things that were previous season things in our lives, and fixing our eyes on Jesus and running. And if you if you dive deeper into Hebrews 12, the first few verses, um, running, you can't really be on Facebook or social media when you're running. You can't really be distracted when you're running. Running takes 100% focus, concentration, mind, body, soul, spirit, emotions. Like, it is all consuming, especially if you're in a race. Like it takes this crazy focus. And what does that look like for us spiritually in this season of birthing? God birthing a new thing. God birthing a billion soul harvest. What does it look like for us, like those in Azusa Street who didn't have a thousand other things they had before God? They just wanted God in those days. Today, we're bombarded with not just a thousand things, but a million things. And so I have a firm belief that this generation, because we're saying no to not just a thousand things, but a million things, will be even more passionate for the Lord than they were a hundred years ago. And so it's really important in this season, like David in Psalm 27, um, King David with, you know, big responsibilities and the weight of the world on his shoulders, he said, um, one thing I ask, one thing I seek is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty. He's, he says, though an army besiege me, though war break out against me, this one thing I will go after. And so it is important. Um, I, I think what the thing, some of the things that are going to come after us are not necessarily bad. I feel like favor and opportunity is going to come after us because the Lord is just going to move. 
And those things, in the midst of stewarding those things, we still need to be really careful to um, choose our assignments and choose the one thing, not just say yes to every opportunity and every open door, but say yes to our God-given assignments, Ephesians 2.10. He says there's works prepared beforehand for us to walk into. And um, it, the, the coolest thing about that verse is we don't have to strive at all to make anything happen. God put dreams and seeds in our heart that as we seek Him and fall more in love with Him and spend time in Him and welcome the Spirit to saturate us with His presence, those things just come to the surface. Um, you know, God put a dream in my life 20 years ago, 20 years ago, um, to teach at Vanguard. I graduated from Vanguard University and uh, I had a dream to teach there. I ended up going to England in 2007 to get my PhD so that I could teach there. Come back, apply, 2012, 2013, 14, no open doors, no open doors. And, and uh, the Lord um, gave me a beautiful season in Reading where I got to teach at the ministry school there and kind of forgot about that dream until my recent transition and God opened up the door for me to teach at Vanguard in 2020, 20 years from the time that I had that desire in my heart and a hundred years, uh, it's from the birth of the university. So I'm actually speaking, I'm teaching on Azusa Street Revival right now in this season on their 100 year anniversary and on the 20 year anniversary of that dream kind of emerging in my heart. And it was just the Lord. And um, the timing might have been different than what I thought, but the Lord's timing is so key and so significant and so crucial. And so the beautiful thing about saying yes to our assignments is we don't have to strive. We just have to feast on the Lord and in his timing, he unfolds all those things. And so I do feel we're stepping into an age of unprecedented favor and opportunity. And I think one of the challenges is going to be choosing the best from the good, choosing the gold from the silver, not settling for silver, but going for gold. And, and that's going to take really um, important discernment. And that comes in the form of being, you know, in complete union with the Lord and intimacy and growing that relationship and also family and friends and the body of Christ around us to help us bring discernment and confirmation for key decisions coming our way. Another way to position ourselves for this incoming, you know, move of God that's already upon us is staying full of the oil. If you look at Matthew 25, um, the virgins, there was a, a moment when the virgins needed oil for their lamps and there were wise virgins and there were virgins that were unwise and did not have enough oil. And I, I always, I, I love how the wise virgins, they said something that we don't hear said much in our day and age. When the other virgins who didn't have oil asked for help and, and they needed oil, the wise virgins said the word no. And I, and I don't hear that phrase. I don't hear that word too often. And I think it's a word we need to learn how to have in our vocabulary. Um, I know for me, sometimes it's easy to just want to people please and say yes to everyone because I just, I don't want them to feel rejected. I want them to like me and so on, but there's moments where, you know, I need to invest my time um, in what God's calling me to invest in, and sometimes that means saying no to really good opportunities that are maybe not mine to carry in this season, and so they said no because they knew that they needed that oil to step into the fullness of being with the, the bridegroom, and so 
Um, it's important that we stay full of the oil. Some of the ways I practically try to position my life to stay full of the oil is start the morning with worship, start reading the word, start in prayer, um, be around other burning and hungry ones, spend time in silence, journal, wait on the Lord. There's lots of ways to be full of the oil, um, but I really feel like it's not a one-time encounter we had 20 years ago. I need a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and a fresh baptism of the love of the Father every day to step into the assignments he's given me for such a time as this. And so um, being full of the oil, being people of his presence, is the, uh, Exodus 33, it's so important that we are people of his presence. If we don't have the presence of God marking our lives, we have nothing to offer this world. I can speak around the world. I can talk about leadership. I can talk about God. But if his presence is not evident in my life, and in those meetings, to me, there's really no point. I don't want to talk about God and, and preach at a church or do a meeting where God's not welcome or God doesn't show up in a special way or manifest his glory or presence. Those have to be signs coming from my life for me to make any sort of eternal impact. And so being a people of his presence is so key. Um, it's also important that we invest in family. Uh, we can't do this life alone. We can't step into the fullness of our God-given destiny alone. Uh, the keys to our destiny are found in intimacy with Jesus and in family. And we really do need each other to, um, to fulfill all that God's called us to, to be and to become. And you can look at Ephesians uh, 2 to learn more of that. Um, and then and unity in, in the midst of that. Um, there's something important about having unity in love above all else, rather than debating with small doctrinal differences or political differences. We share the same Jesus, and that is enough to unify us for one cause of, of glorifying King Jesus. And so it's really important that we fight for unity and steward unity at all costs. Um, there's more glory that we can steward together in unity than, um, than we could without it. I've experienced this in my own life. If there's bitterness, if there's division, if there's unforgiveness, it actually hinders um, moves of God. Uh, and I mean, he, he's God. He can do anything. But I, I've just noticed more glory comes in my life. And uh, through meetings, I get to be a part of stewarding when there's unity um, in love. And it, it is just so powerful. I know a revivalist, Maria Woodworth Edder, back in the 1800s, she went to a town uh, to minister at this, this meeting at this church, and there was dis disunity among the leadership. And so before she even ministered, she, she met with them in their homes for the first few nights, and she brought reconciliation. And then after she brought reconciliation, she actually began to see signs and wonders she had yet to experience in her ministry. That was the first time people got slain in the spirit in her meetings. And, uh, and it's just beautiful how unity and reconciliation and forgiveness preceded a greater move of God crazy thing uh, off, off subject a little bit but she would be in places and within a 20 mile radius of where her meeting was people would get slain in the spirit on the street 
And I'm like, oh my gosh, that means they would just fall in the spirit and encounter God within a 20 mile radius from where she was. I'm like, God, I want, I want to show up in a place. And because the presence of God is so permeating in my life, people around within miles of, of where I physically am get touched by God because your glory is flooding through my life. Wow. You know, and these are, these are true testimonies we have that we can tap into for the glory of, of King Jesus. And, uh, I think it's important also, we, we need to not be afraid to shine. Um, it says in Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen upon you. You have a name, you have a face. God raised up, um, these great leaders with names. He raised up Joshua, he raised up Moses, he raised up Jacob and Isaac and, and they all had names. And I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, shining because the more we shine and live the purposes and dreams God's put in our heart for his glory the more glory he gets and we're not bringing attention to ourselves we're not promoting ourselves we're just being the gift of the the poem the artwork that he has um, he has created and you know when you see a painting or when you see a poem or you see a book you're not praising the book or you're not praising the poem. You're not praising the picture on the wall. You're praising the artist. And so when we shine, when we let the creativity of the Father flow through our lives, he gets more glory. But if I hide that painting, if I hide that poem, if I hide that book, if I hide the creative expression of God through my life, I am withholding and stealing glory from the living God. And so there is something powerful about not being afraid to shine. And I know I've spent years, decades, spending so much energy trying to hide with false humility because I was afraid to shine or hiding behind other people's anointings. And I just was afraid to be Jen and come out from the shadows and just be me unashamedly and God can use me however he wants. I remember one time I was ministering in Texas and um, and I felt so insecure. I was, um, I was with other pastors and leaders and we were going to do this stadium event, this little stadium event, and we were doing like a pre-meeting and there's a bunch of leaders there. And, and I felt so out of my league. I didn't feel like you know, I was, I could even compare to them and there's comparison. It kills, you know, just kind of, um, just felt really insecure. And I see people go on stage and they're powerful and just anointed evangelists. And I'm thinking, I'm nothing like these anointed Texans. That's just not my style. I am more mellow. (laughs) And, uh, and I had a choice. I, I didn't necessarily even want to go on stage, but, um, the guy said, called me up and said, will you come and speak? And, you know, whenever the Lord offers me the microphone, I have to say yes and trust that he's entrusted me with that. And I had a choice then. I'm like, I could try to be like these crazy Texans and try to be loud and, you know, just uh, powerful like them. Or I could just be Jen and it's going to look completely different, but I'm just going to be me. And I decided in that moment, you know what? I'm not going to try to be anyone else, but I'm going to be myself. And so I got into the stage got on my knees and I just said Holy Spirit come and I just made space for the Spirit and we waited on the Lord and he began to um, shift the entire atmosphere Um, and it was 
just the timing of the Lord too, because the other things were really important of bringing freedom and celebration. And it was timing, you know, like those people needed to be released then and I needed to be released at the time I did. And then it became this almost consecration, baptism of fire. People start weeping, but the whole mood was very gentle and silent and waiting upon the Lord. And, and people began to get baptized in fire and a deep like um, weeping kind of sp spread through some in the room. And it was really a marking moment for me because I realized, okay, I'm I'm me, I'm unique, and I'm not I'm not going to try to hide me. I'm not going to try to be someone else. If someone's entrusting me with a microphone, it, which is the Lord, then I'm going to say yes and bring my whole heart. And so um, it is important that we are not afraid to shine. It's the Lord that opens and closes the doors. Um, it's the Lord that brings invitations. And, um, and I think there is this call in our generation to be people that make space. You know, there was no room for Jesus in the end. There was people who had the opportunity to make space to have the Son of God birthed in their home, in their places, but there was no room in the end. And I don't know about you, but if God's about to birth something beautiful in this generation, I don't want to miss it because it comes in a package I might not expect. I want to have an open heart to see what God sees and be open to taking someone in my home or taking someone into my heart that maybe is the unexpected. And I want to see God birth something beautiful in our generation. I think it's in Isaiah 60 or 61. Um, it's it's amazing how the Lord loves to take the the most broken people in the city and actually rebuild the city with those people, and so revival most likely will come from someone in the margins. It will come from people that we least expect, and I think it's important that we um, recognize the Lord in the details. We recognize the Lord in places and spaces that we might not normally look, and. Uh, um, Psalm, Psalm 46 10 says be still and know that I am Lord and, and when you are in a meeting or you in your own life when you make space to be silent I've just noticed that silence has this purifying effect it's almost uh, like an invitation for a baptism of fire and consecration because when we're silent and when we wait upon the Lord everything is exposed like we can't hide I remember starting some meetings in the Bay Area in San Francisco and I would just spend the first 10 or 15 minutes in silence and some people would walk out because it was way too uncomfortable but many people would just weep because finally for the first time they slowed down enough in their life to stop and listen to God and he came and he met them and so I, I think um, if I were to classify kind of be more introspective and, and think about the ministry that I'm passionate about more than preaching, more than speaking, I think I'm most passionate about if the Lord gives me a microphone or opportunity of creating space for him to move. That's one of my favorite things ever is actually, I don't even need to be the one speaking. I just need to recognize where the anointing is and give space for God to release that, whether it's through a child, whether it's through a man, a woman, the marginalized, um, and just uh, create spaces of encounter for the Lord. And so,
that was just kind of some things on my heart. I could talk for days and days about this, um, but I just want to give this word today of uh, making space and making room uh, for God in our hearts. Prepare Him room. Let every heart prepare Him room. And heaven and nature sing. I mean, it's a Christmas carol. But, but what does it look like in our daily lives to make room for Jesus? To make space for Jesus, to welcome him in to the door of our hearts, to welcome him into every single meeting, every single um, workplace, every single family connection, every single moment alone. And I feel like he, he's just saying, hey, I want, I want more of your time. I want more of your affection. I want more of your attention. And so I just pray, as you've kind of listened to my heart, I pray that you would be filled with a fresh fire and focus on the eyes of Jesus and that you would be filled with more of his spirit and that he would fill every single space in your heart. And I feel like even as, as we wait upon the Lord, He's going to bring deep emotional healing to some of you. I feel like even now, he's bringing up things in some of your hearts. And he's bringing those to the surface because he's gentle and he wants to heal them. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray for a deep healing. Emotional, mental, spiritual, physical. Over everyone listening, that there be a grace in the season and that your healing power would come from just being in a place of stewarding your presence so yeah Jesus let us be a people that make space for you we make space for you Holy Spirit we surrender and we say yes to you No matter what it looks or feels like, we say yes to you. Apprehending us, changing our plans, overshadowing us. Yeah, you're so good. We love you, Jesus. Our lives are for you. We thank you that we get to be a people marked by your fire and marked by your presence all for the glory of the name of Jesus. Amen. So yeah, thank you guys again for joining me. Thank you if you made it this far for just listening to my heart. Um, this is the first time I've really done something like this, so let me know um, how it was for you guys and sending lots of love and prayers your way. Until next time, keep the fire burning. Bless you guys. Bye.